Why are you single? Just because. However we answer that question, what's more important than why we are single is how we live as singles. I'm quoting from the publicity of the book of my new guest. Hello, I'm Brent Siddle and welcome to the God Story podcast. And our very special guest today is author and podcaster Bridget G. Bridget is the Spiritual Formation Coordinator for InterVarsity's Study Abroad programs, where she directs European pilgrimage. This sounds like a fantastic job, Bridget, by the way. <laughs> and I come too, where she directs European pilgrimages for students, staff and partners to experience contemplative followings of Jesus. I imagine it's probably exhausting work. Actually, <laughs> Bridget is also the ho if that isn't enough. Bridget is also the host of Solidar Solar Solidarity, the Singleness Podcast, and Bridget's new book from IVP into Varsity Press America is called Single Just Because: A Pilgrimage into Holy Aloneness. And Bridget joins me now from the states. Bridget, hi. Hi there. And yes, you can join me on any of my pilgrimages. <laughs> They're oh, open to everybody. That's great. And 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 I should say Bridget is uh, is hosting this glorious blue Yeti microphone, which is sitting in front of her <laughs> on the desk, which I've just been coveting. Thou shalt not covet, but I do covet this blue Yeti microphone. Now, uh, where do you, whereabouts do you go on these European pilgrimages, Bridget, apart from Europe, obviously? Yeah, so we have three so far. Um, we're going to add a fourth pretty soon, actually, but they're in Italy, Spain, and Ireland. And so in Ireland, it's um, kind of a tour around the island of holy sites, Celtic Christianity, um, you know, St. Patrick, St. Bridget, my namesake. And um, that one's kind of its own thing. And then Italy is in the life of St. Francis and St. Clair. And Spain is on the community Santiago and we do like a hundred kilometers of that. So yeah, that's exhausting. what it is so far. Uh, uplifting, but exhausting work, I would think. But um... yes, it's, it's both, it, it's meant to be restful for everyone involved, but um, yeah, yeah travel and crossing cultures and all that, it, it takes a lot of work. How has pilgrimage become a tool of spiritual formation for you? Do you think? Yeah, that's, you know, it's basically, those are my words. And now I have to answer that question wherever I go. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. This is the reason I like pilgrimage. And so if, if, and there are any listeners out there who are like, that sounds like an outdated word or an old thing. I mean, it is an ancient practice of, of many religions actually to travel to a place. Um, and sometimes it's obviously like, a saint or something like that, um, or a holy place. But for me, what it's been is inviting people alongside each other to just hold space for one another of where they're at in their walk. So you could be not even a Christian to someone who's been in ministry for 40 plus years. And, you know, we all still have questions. We're all still on our own journeys. And so it's this really beautiful way where we're kind of like leveled together rather than like, you know, I, I do like facilitate and lead groups, but we're, I'm also a pilgrim right alongside my participants and we learn from each other. Pilgrims walk alongside one another. And so it's, it, to me, it's like a metaphor and a picture for what it means to be with each other spiritually. Um, and I think a healthy way. Mm, yeah. It's fascinating. Um, I love the idea of it. You also write, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote your words at you again. I'm sorry. Great. My, my, <laughs> Fine. my singleness has often been a sweet invitation out of the culture and value systems of the Christianity I grew up in. I had to unlearn a lot of things to find freedom in my life with Jesus. Now, may I ask you, what did you have to unlearn? 
Yeah. The book talks a lot about this. Um, there's, there's a lot of things. And I I do think like, I will say this, I, I speak from my own experience. That's another like pilgrim mentality is like, you only know your own story. And I am not an expert at other people's contexts, but growing up in American evangelicalism and like, it worked on me. I love Jesus and I love to share the gospel. You know, it's why I work for university, but I think there's a lot of messages that we learn that maybe are more from the world than from the word and, um, about, especially centering around who I'm supposed to be as a woman and, um, that you can't find them in the Bible. (laughs) Like the fact that I might need to be married to be taken seriously as a leader in the church. That's the attitude I've, I've been around a lot, but it's not true. Um, surely it's not true in the organization I work for, but you know, it's, it's just one of these things where you go around and I'm sure men have similar experiences in some ways, but again, I'm, I can only speak for myself. I'm like this, like strong, independent, you know, was raised that way. Um, outspoken woman. And sometimes church leaders don't know what to do with me. And so I'm kind of like, well, then what do I do with me? Kind of, you know? So anyway, that's, I think that's some of the stuff like unlearning, um, that I'm like incomplete as a single person is is sort of just for a start, you know? Why do you think, um, churches and church leaders, and I have struck this too, I think, um, I was single until I was 52. Mm. Uh, why do churches and church leaders not know what to do with single people? I would have thought it was obvious. Yeah, I, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think because that's like, I mean, we, we're probably in, in some ways, similar context being in like kind of culturally Western, Mm. you know, context. Um, I think it's like easier for leadership to have some kind of structure to place us in. And, um, I'm really not just trying to sound too callous about it. It's just that it's easier for, for us to understand how things work when it's structured. So it's like, oh, the natural progression of life is like, um, kids ministry, youth ministry, college ministry. And then like, they're not going to be young adults for very long until they're married and then their parents. And we know how to deal with those kinds of and minister to those kinds of people in those boxes or those sections of life. So for those of us, and there are many don't fit in any of those boxes. Um, our friends who've been in ministry for a long time might've also been married since they were like 22. They have no idea what to do and they don't know how to deal with some of our issues. And so I honestly, like I pile lots of grace on that, but, um, that's sort of my rallying cry in the book is like, we need to make space. Yeah. Has, has the church spent too much time on marriage discipleship for young people? Yeah, definitely. I, I kind of like, I mean, I talk about this really early on in my book, but I think it's like we're sort of put through marriage boot camp. And I felt like even before I got to college, I knew so much about Christian marriage and that I'm like, well, it, you know, so you're like almost like I want to put it to work and you like want to be married as soon as possible. And I went into college thinking, I'm going to meet my husband here. And I mean, I don't think I did unless something surprising happens in my life, but, um, so far I, I didn't meet my husband in college. And so, yeah, I think like, um, I get it. Like I, we, we want marriages to last, you know, divorce happens so often. And I have a lot of empathy and compassion for that. 
Um, so I'm with, I'm with the church on that. We want to keep people in healthy marriages, but like, it's almost too much where it's like, well, obviously you're going to get married and <laughs> be ready for it and be prepared. Well, it seems ironic in a, uh, in a, um, uh, a movement that was really, if I can put it like this, started by two single guys, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the Lord Jesus and, and the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Uh, so what did, what did Paul have to say about, uh, mar- about singleness in 1 Corinthians? Yeah, he's talking about how it, it's better to remain single if you already are. And if you're basically, if you're not like burning with passion, then just stay that way. And the way I address this in my book, it's brief. I don't go into it. My book's not a comprehensive theology on singleness, um, which is sort of what stopped me from writing it for a long time because I thought that's what people want. And uh, But it, it's a boring book, in my opinion, if you're writing just the comprehensive theology on singleness. Sorry if, sorry to offend any of the theology buffs out there, but um, it's just me. Yeah, and- I'm sure you haven't. Okay, great. I'm just like more a lighthearted person, but um, like maybe not as studious, I guess. And so what I say about that verse is just like, I mean, imagine the context of the time that Paul's speaking. Um, pe- Christians were being persecuted, put in jail, killed for being a Christian. And so I think a part of it, he's like, it's better to stay single because no matter what happens in your life, like if you get stolen away to prison or um, no matter like what call God has on your life, if, if you get to go share the gospel around the world, then you won't be tied down. And that's good. And I totally agree with that. I just have felt that that verse has been used kind of to like not address or neglect some of the hard parts of singleness, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. we aren't so much in that context in, in our, in America. And my guess is New Zealand, it's not as costly to be Christian in our countries. And so being single, um, it does afford me time and energy and space to go and do so much for the kingdom of God. But, um, this kind of the message or the narrative I've heard a lot in church sounds a little bit like capitalistic of like, Hey, you know what, just stay single, use your time for the church, you know, for the kingdom and doesn't address my like longings and fears and worries. Um, doesn't address that I need to spend time resting just as much as anyone else. And yeah, so I, I, and I don't think, I think Paul would be kind of weirded out by the way we interpret it sometimes, or like the way we spend on that, because he's not really belittling marriage either. He's like, you know, if if you need to get married, get married. Like, (laughs) and then he makes it really clear. This isn't law, but I'm just strongly urging you. Paul was intense. You know, he was like, everyone should be single. Like, I I really think he thought that. And, um, but it wasn't against marriage. It just, it's like, it made, it makes so much sense for his time. And I have friends who honestly have his spirit and are like, I can't be bothered to get married. too much work to be done. And I'm like, okay, I haven't got time for it. No. Yeah. <laughs> what are the hard parts then? You mentioned the hard parts of being single. Mm-hmm. What, what for you are the hard parts or have been the hard parts of being single? Yeah. I think it mainly revolves around community. Like the access that I have to intimacy and community, um, waivers throughout my adulthood, you know, I'll be 33 at the end of the month. So I'm not old, you know, I'm like, I'm young and I know some older people are like, Oh, this young, lady her woes it's of great to be at uh, 30s is great to, uh, enjoy them yes. if you can i'm, I'm going to i plan to <laughs> thank you yeah. um yeah so like 
I don't know that. And I feel like there could be a whole book and there may be whole books about this of like, we need to learn how to be really good friends to one another. Um, so whether you are married or single, there's so much invitation as kingdom people to like shape your life differently, you know, around community and create space at your tables for people in different stages of life. And so like me as a single person, especially one who has been in charge of Christian community of young people, we've done a lot of that, you know, but then once they graduate and leave, like, you know, the safety net of inner varsity, it can be wild out there, you know, and it can get lonely. And, um, because of this hyper focus on marriage, I think we also like have a hyper prioritization of it. Like where it's like, you know, priority number one is your marriage, AKA you don't have any more time for anyone else, anything else. And Mm -hmm. I've been really lucky to know a lot of married people in my life who are really good at loving single people. And so that's, I guess maybe I just have high standards, but I do think they're kingdom standards. And I do think the early church looked like this. Um, at least I hope so. Yes, you mentioned uh, being single and, and, and having married friends. I My own reading of a situation has been that it's often very hard once you're married for some people to maintain those relationships with single folk. Am I right? I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had friends who were lonely in marriage too, oh, yes. because the, yeah, the ways that they, they try, or they think like, oh, this will continue like, or maybe even that their marriage will fulfill that. The point is like, we, we all essentially have the same issue, which is like, maybe there wasn't enough discipleship around what good friendship looks like. Uh, Cause we need each other. And the thing I think is like friendship could be eternal and it, it kind of is like, Whereas I don't, marriage isn't, you know, you're not really married in heaven, but you will see your friends in heaven, hopefully. And so that's kind of how I think about it too, is like, if we could balance the scales a little better of talking about what our relationships with one another look like, then everyone across the board would be more fulfilled relationally. And it could look like, it could look like, like the family of God that like it talks about in the Bible. Yeah, we just don't see that. I think, again, it's like kind of how this like family unit is built within our cultures. I'm not sure that that's like a, and maybe it was sort of like that too, back in the culture of the day, which is what makes this kingdom culture so like upside down and new and different. And maybe 2000 years later, we're still (laughs) begging for something new and different. Yes, and it's interesting going to some countries where the family really is an extended family unit. So every everybody still lives with the parents, and the grandparents live with the parents, and that used yep. to be the case. It may not be now in some countries, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I wonder. Uh, I'm going to ask you the the dreaded question because I've been asked this: ask ask Bridget about Christian dating. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> and it's one it's one partially that I've come across over the years. How do we date? as followers mm-hmm. of Jesus. What what are some of the advice you can give people? Yeah, I didn't want to write about dating in my book because I was like, I'm not trying to address that right now, but they were like, Bridget, it's a book about singleness. You have to. So, <laughs> um, oh dear. because yeah, well, I just think that people want formulas. Like they want to say, tell me what to do yep. to find love or tell me what to do to be content in my singleness. And I think everyone's journey is different. Again, the pilgrimage motif comes in is that like, you're just, you have to start to feel it out. But the only advice I give is to go into dating with the intent to honor and dignify everyone that you're encountering. 
And so what that looks like on a practical level is like that we treat people as made in the image of a God from start to finish that whether, um, like I've had a lot of men be ridiculous toward me and mistreat me from the get go, you know, and, um, rather than just delete the interaction, I mean, sometimes I do, but most of the time it's like, let's address this, you know, what, where's this behavior coming from? Or, you know, like guys will solicit sex and, I'm like, Hey, let's talk about this for a second, because this is a really sad first interaction I'm having with you. <laughs> like, yeah. not sure your mom would be very proud of that. <laughs> and almost just to be like, have some honor and integrity. And then on the other hand, like so often when we get let down by people, we also, we want to blame them or like put so much, so much on them. Like, you know, we say things like, Oh, they're lost and the stuff like that, as if you're a prize to be one. And now I think we're all wonderful and we all deserve to be loved and cherished and all that. But I also kind of think like no one really owes me anything. (laughs) And so I want to like walk away from my interactions feeling like we were on the same page and that they felt like they're worthy of love, you know, even if it's not going to work out between us. And I also want to call people to higher respect in the way I date. So I don't know, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Um, we chicken out, this probably has a lot more to do again with like, there should be more discipleship around the way we interact with one another. Um, because they're your friend or even acquaintance until they become your friend, until they become your boyfriend or girlfriend, until they become more, you know, there's just the stages. And if the whole way along, you're thinking, how can I honor and dignify myself in this person? Um, I think you're going to do well, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's hard to do. And I think, like I said, I think there could be a whole book about this kind of stuff. Um, I found it but, very hard to find books about the about the subject of Christian singleness and dating. I think yours is probably the yeah. first I've come across in I don't know how many years. Um, yeah, yeah. For my VP, it's been like almost decades. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. Uh, what about intimacy on dating? Um, define intimacy. Well, I'm hoping you're going to define intimacy. How 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 intimate are we allowed to get? Oh, allowed. That's the great question. Um, that's the thing is that I actually um, I stay away from making any rules in my book. Like this is another part of pilgrimage is that like I don't know where you're coming from or what your theology is. And something that I um, reference a lot is like your sexual ethic, like. Your sexual ethic may be born of the traditional Christian sexual ethic, which is that sex is for marriage. And a lot of times they say that's between a man and a woman based off of what the Bible talks about. Um, But I kind of try to hold it loosely of like, that might not be your sexual ethic. And I can understand all the reasons why, but I explore just the idea of what is it? Couldn't there be a holy sexual ethic across the board? Um, And so I do think that in some ways my book's going to leave people frustrated because I don't give answers. I can only speak for myself. I I'm like this little unicorn out here, a virgin at almost 33. I had, this is my fun thing to admit. I haven't even kissed anyone in like 12 years. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to have had that be a part of my story, but it isn't. Um, but yeah, I just think like our bodies are so precious and I don't think we're encouraged to be embodied people in this culture, um, you know? And so like 
to have casual sex doesn't make sense to me according to like what, um, the call is. And so, yeah, there just needs to be bigger conversations around what it means to like treat yourself and others' bodies with again, dignity and honor. And to me, it just doesn't really make sense for it to be outside of a a covenantal relationship. So Mm. That's that's my best answer for you. <laughs> no, I think it's a very good answer. I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, yet, you, as a single person, you have had a very very special relationship with God, haven't you? And you write about this in in the book. In what ways do you think that God is the most intimate love of our lives? Yeah. Oh, it's such a big question. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> um. I just have always been falling in love my whole life, you know, and I think that may be why God sent me down this road to eventually write this book. At one point I was thinking, cause it took me a few years to decide like to go for it. And so one time I was talking to God about it and I was like, am I really going to write this book? Like, do I really have to, you know, cause I kind of was like, can I get out of it? It's like, if I don't write it at this, by this date, then it's not going to happen, you know? And God said it really clear to, clearly to me, um, no, you're just going to, it's ha- it's happening. Not like do it. He just was saying, no, you will, you're writing it. And I'm like, okay, we'll find out how that happens. And I do think that it's been a really beautiful process for me. I think the thing that I, I bring to the table, and I'm sure there's lots of people like me out there. I've just, since I was like three years old, I've continued to grow closer and closer to Jesus. And I'm not saying I've grown holier and holier. In fact, I think I feel more and more human (laughs) the older I get, but I just, I just think that God becomes bigger and more vast and more close and more intimate. The more I lean in, I think that's how all relationships are built is if you really lean in and want to plumb the depths of somebody or like be continue to be curious, um, you will get to know the person you're in relationship with and God's endless, you know, and I think that um, the more that I keep walking this path, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, there's more to you. You're better than I thought, you know. I feel like I get saved every so often. Like I'm like, I, I thought I was saved before, you know, whatever you think saved means, but I'm like, I have these like huge revival moments in my soul, um, probably every few years. Wonderful. Yeah. The ongoing journey of faith. Yeah. <laughs> how how does the journey of singleness, do you think, lead deeper into God's presence? Or how has it led deeper into God's presence for you? Yeah. Well, I just think like I think that's why we landed on a pilgrimage into holy aloneness as the subtitle. Is that I just have this thought that like there's something sacred about us being alone in general. Cause we're not really alone without God, but alone in general. We were alone in the womb in a way, you know, even though you're, in, you're, you're with your mom, but I like to think about the few days or maybe it's weeks for some people that the mom doesn't even realize it, that there's another human and, um, but God knew, and then you only leave this life with God, you know, you, you kind of leave it alone. You don't go through whatever that portal is <laughs> with somebody else. I don't think, but, um, so I think there's something sacred about it. And I think we recreate those moments as moments of like divinity to be like, let me go be alone with you, God. And, and that's the place I say this in the book too. It's like the only place that you're whole because God didn't, he's not expecting any of us, you know, he just wants to be with us. And 
he loves us no matter what. Like he loved us when we were a mass of cells and just mush. Like he loved the thought of us, <laughs> man. Those are the reasons I, man, I, it's hard not to be in love with someone like that, you know? And so, yeah, I think that singleness and all of the hard parts of loneliness, there is this like invitation to believe that God is enough, that God is still there. Yeah. To believe that God is worth like all of what your life could possibly be. And then it opens up an imagination. I'm sure you've, you know, experienced this having been single a long time where you're like, wow, this is not what I thought my life would turn out to be. But then it just like kind of turns out to be so much better and cooler than you could have made up. Yes. And so, yeah, I invite people in my book to have some holy imagination about what their lives could be mm-hmm. if it doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, I, w- I would have said that uh, there were stacks of things I got to do in my life, in my earlier life, mm-hmm. young years that I could never have done if I was married with a family. And I'm grateful to God for the um, the time that, that, that I had and the opportunities I had, yes, as I, as I know you are from what you write. Yeah. Uh, we're just about out of time, but I've got to ask you about landscapes and nature because you you have some beautiful passages in the book where you're writing about how God has met you through landscape. Uh, mm. how, how has God met you through landscape and through nature? Yeah, this is the surprise of all, I think, is that, I mean, as a kid, I loved being outside as much as I could, but like, I have all these friends. I live in Arizona, which is like a very outdoorsy place. Like people love hiking, climbing, all the outdoorsy things. Mm. And I'm not like, I just can't keep up as much. Right. But I found myself on, you know, hikes and just like in nature, whether it was like retreats and things like that, where God stole the moment, you know, I think God was the one who took over. And at least for me, nature is probably the place I can believe in God the most. Um, so out of my control, it's so big and beautiful. And so, yeah, I, that's what led to the way I shaped telling my story and the book, because it it's, it's like, it seems metaphorical, but it also was just true Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I'm like finding myself on a hike or a walk or a pilgrimage, like on the community Santiago. So yeah, you know, it's just funny you ask that because, um, I think I'm still, growing in my affection and love for creation and that it's becoming more important to me. Um, Celtic Christianity is really close to the earth and, and uses the earth a lot in the way it connects with God. And um, I'm super Irish, if you can't tell by my name. And so I, I resonate with that. So it's kind of a coming back to, I think, who God really made me to be. Mm. Thank you, Bridget. Uh, A very special book. Uh, If you're single, you will love it. Uh, And uh, if you're not single, you'll still love it. And it's it's fabulous. So get hold of a copy from InterVarsity Press, IVP America. It's called Single Just Because, A Pilgrimage into Holy Aloneness. And Bridget G has been our guest. Now, Bridget, where can people find you, your podcast? Whereabouts are you on social media? Yeah, you can just follow me at TheBridgetG. And you'll eventually see me. I'm not going to spell it out. Um, and then that podcast is Solidarity, like the word solidarity. But instead of the first I, it's an A. Sola is the word for like alone or single in Spanish. Um, yeah, Solidarity. And you can find that on Instagram. It's just not really like the point. Just go find it on any of the podcast providers. And there's lots to listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go away and carry on listening. Um, it's great to find a podcast on singleness. 
Christensen. Yeah. This is fabulous. Thank you, Bridget, so much. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Bridget, thank you so much for your time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.